did you find Judges chapter 16? All right. Studying one of the most enigmatic man, men and characters in the Bible, and that is Samson. Uh, there is actually more, more chapters of the Bible devoted to his life and story than any of the other judges that are mentioned. He is a man with some great victories and some great high moments. He's a man uh, of whom the Bible says more often than any other person in the Bible that the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. He's a man who is listed in Hebrews chapter 11 as a man of tremendous faith. He's held up to us in, in that regard. But he is also a man whose humanity is greatly on display. He's, he was a flawed individual. Um, and we've made mention of this before, and I think we need to be reminded of it, uh, of it often. The only people that God can use are flawed people. You take your favorite preacher. You, you take your favorite uh, preacher or leader from the past, Christian leader, that, that type of thing. You find out they were all flawed. Now, that doesn't mean that, uh, it, it, you know, just go ahead and live in sin. It, it doesn't matter. That's certainly not what, what we're saying. And the life of Samson is going to teach us that very, very clearly. But we need to understand as we read and study through his story and we're trying to figure out how could God do that when he did that. Uh, God's a God of great mercy. His mercy endureth how long? Yeah, not till the next time you sin. It endureth forever. Um, and we're going to actually see that today. Uh, we watched uh, in, in chapter number 14 uh, as, as Samson's birth and, uh, and how, I'm sorry, chapter 13, his birth and prophesied the Nazarite vow upon uh, his mother while she was carrying him, a vow that was supposed to be on him for the rest of his life. Chapter 14, we saw him go down to a Philistine town called Timnath, and he saw a woman that pleased him well, told his dad, I want you to get her for me. They arranged a marriage and so forth. We, that's our first question mark about his life, but then we find out that this was something God put in his heart to bring a, uh, an opportunity for Samson to go after the Philistines. He never married her, um, and we, we cannot question it any further than what the Bible has to say about that. Of course, it ended up as a disaster. If you remember on his way down there or while he was there, a lion came on him in, in a vineyard. He was by himself. He ripped the lion apart, killed it, told no one. Came back a little bit later and uh, uh, some honeybees had uh, constructed a hive, a, a honeycomb, if you will, inside the carcass. And he reached inside and helped himself with the honey, ate some of it, uh, took some of that honeycomb, went on his way, gave it to mom and dad, didn't tell them where it came from. What was wrong with that? Nazarites aren't supposed to touch a dead body, okay? Um, I, I'm, uh, a pastor that, that I worked for, served with when Trina and I first got married, uh, he's in heaven now, Pastor Jerry Sype, preached a sermon one time, said, if the lion doesn't get you, the honey will. Just about having your guard up and, and watching out for the little things uh, along the way. Um, Samson had 30 Philistine um, uh, bride, bridegrooms, if you want, for his wedding. And uh, he put out a riddle there and said, uh, you know, uh, out of the, you know, the strong came forth meat and out of the eater came honey. And it was, it was a stacked deck. There was no way they were going to guess that. There was no logic involved, no mathematical equations involved, no history that they could be aware of to figure it out. 
Um, and they went after his fiance and said, if you don't find the answer, we're going to burn you and your father with fire. She employed that, that uh, age-old method of a wife getting information from her husband. She nagged him and nagged him and nagged him, and he finally gave in and told her. She told them, and uh, the, the, the wedding was off. He stormed out of there. We looked in uh, chapter number 15. Uh, where, where Samson came back thinking he might pick up where he left off only to find out that uh, her dad married uh, his daughter off to the best man. So Samson got mad and he took some foxes, 300 of them, tied their tails together, put a firebrand in between them and let them loose in the, in the wheat fields uh, of the Philistines, gave them a taste of their own medicine because they'd been plundering Israel's fields and crops uh, for 40 years already. And uh, when they came after him, uh, the Bible says that he, he smote them hip and thigh with a great slaughter. Doesn't say how he did that. Maybe it was bare knuckled fighting, uh, whatever. Uh, he went down, he, he went to the place, a place in Judah on top of a mountain uh, just to sort of recover his, straight, his strength. And the Philistines got an army together, came into Judah. I, I'm trying to repeat things and, re, you know, remind us of things because we weren't here last week on this. Um, uh, the Philistines wanted him. Uh, he was a wanted man. He had done great damage to them that they would spend the next year or more recovering from financially. The men of Judah, rather than standing with Samson and siding with this man that God was raising up uh, on their behalf, they took the coward's way out. Uh, it was easier to side with the Philistines than with Samson because Samson had no army. Remember, he's the only judge who did everything single-handedly, no army with him whatsoever. And they uh, betrayed him and said uh, to Samson, we're here to turn you over. You, you've made us stink in the eyes of the Philistines. Newsflash, men of Judah, you already do. That's why they've enslaved you. They already think poorly of you. Um, and remember, Samson said, well, if you tie me, tie me up with new ropes and we'll be good. And so they did that. And he got there in front of the Philistines and they think they got their man and the spear of the Lord came on him and his strength just came in and those, those ropes just melted like burnt flax and just he broke them out. And what did Samson use to whoop up on the Philistines? The jawbone, the Bible says the new jawbone of an ass. It was an animal that had just died. Uh, this, was an, this was another carcass. Should he have grabbed that? No. He did so, um, and uh, he killed how many Philistines with that thing? Anybody remember? Not, not 30,000. It was in the thousands. There was a three. 3,000. I was just going to keep giving hints. One less zero, uh, you know, that type of thing. 3,000 with the jawbone of an ass, and... Uh, uh, it might have been the, the bulk of their army. It seems that that was it. And Samson uh, was exhausted and sat down and he thought he was going to die of thirst. And, and he prayed to the Lord. And he said, you gave me a great victory. And so the Lord provided water for him. And where did that water come from? From the jawbone of the ass, God uh, clave a hollow spot out of it and a spring come out. And according to the text, uh, that was a permanent spring, though the jawbone would have disintegrated long after uh, that. Uh, that spring was still there at the writing of the book of Judges. And again, it's one of those things, you know, God helped him, but he's, he's doing wrong. 
It's little things that are adding up. Um, it is not God saying your sin doesn't matter. Not even a little bit. We'll see that today. We'll talk about that particular issue. Um, it is God using a flawed man and uh, so forth. And uh, how Samson's processing this in his mind, uh, the Bible does not tell us. But when we come to chapter 16 today, we see Samson taking things a step farther. It's no longer grabbing honey from a, the carcass of a dead lion. It is no longer just picking up the jawbone of a, of a dead animal and whooping up on some Philistines. Look at verse 1. I want you to see Samson's disgraceful sin. I've got an alliterated outline here today. Brother Rob would be proud of me. Then Samson went to Gaza. You say, where's Gaza? Same place it is today. Same place it is today. It's an ancient area. He went to Gaza. It's on the Mediterranean Sea on the western side of the land of Israel and saw therein what? An harlot and went in unto her. Now, when he went to Timnath, that was a Philistine town and a Philistine girl. That girl was not a prostitute. She wasn't a harlot. Um, and Samson got engaged to her, never married her, um, and he should not have done so. But this is, if you will, a step beyond that. He's gone from honey out of a lion's carcass and grabbing the jawbone of a donkey. He's now going in onto a harlot. It is his disgraceful sin. I read through several commentaries, and none of them are giving Samson a pass on this. But some are trying to look at, at possibly his reasoning that maybe Samson went there on purpose into a Philistine city. Gaza was a big one. Uh, it was an important city in the Philistine uh, empire at that time uh, that maybe he went there on purpose uh, seeking uh, another battle with them, provoking them. Samson seemed to have a way of uh, poking the enemy. Um, I, I get to live with four of my grandchildren. And right now, Wesley is innocent of any crimes whatsoever. He's, you know, three months old, that type of thing. Uh, but I've got Nathan and Gwen, the twins that are there. And uh, Nathan is uh, he's a very intelligent little guy, uh, but he, he's, he's a little on the high-strung side uh, of things in life. Uh, Gwenny is very methodical. She's, she's, a, she's a people watcher type thing. She has figured out exactly where Nathan's buttons are. And she knows how to push them, and she knows how often that she needs to push them for Nathan to just go ballistic. Anybody have a child like that? Okay. Um, I, I did. I won't tell you her name because Sarah gets mad if I would say anything like that. Uh, you know, we, we've all... How many were that person? Dave, Dave, a couple, couple folks. Donna, I am stunned. Absolutely. Did you just tell the pastor to shut up? Y'all might want to move for the, before the lightning falls. She's my older sister. We, we tease each other like that. You say, what was that, Pastor? That was revenge. Samson, I think Samson was a button pusher. Samson, that's, that's what the whole thing in, in Timnath was uh, with that situation, uh, riling up the Philistines so he has an opportunity. Remember, the Bible said he was going to begin to deliver Israel from the Philistines. It did not say he was going to deliver them. He would begin to 
that process for them. Um, some have said that that's what's going on in here, but I'm sorry, that just doesn't really justify the whole idea of going into a harlot. Some have said, well, this is similar to the spies that went into Jericho. Remember, uh, Joshua sent two men in to spy out the city, and they went into the house of Rahab, and what was her occupation? She was a harlot, but it does not say that they were there to commit sin with her or that they did so. Well, we find out by the end of their time there, Rahab gave a profession of faith in the one true God, the God of Israel. Um, and uh, she, she got converted, uh, joined the, the nation of Israel, helped those spies, and she's in the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew chapter number one. Um, uh, these men, or I'm sorry, Samson, uh, he, he didn't go in there to spy out the land. Verse number uh, three, notice what it says, and Samson lay till midnight. Samson committed sin here, committed a gross sin of immorality with this woman. There's no justification of that sin for anybody, especially for a man under a Nazarite vow. His entire life was supposed to be devoted to the Lord. And, and by the way, understand that devotion to the Lord is more than what we do on an outward sense. For Samson, that was supposed to be more than he didn't cut his hair, he didn't drink uh, or, or eat any fruit of the vine, and he touched no dead body. It is supposed to be a heart attitude. All of those things are externals that, that are to reflect an internal relationship with the Lord. Uh, can I say the same is true of us? Uh, there are some rights and wrongs. There are some standards that the Bible sets forth. Uh, did you know God did put a difference between men and women? Um, God's very, very plain about that. Did you know that women are supposed to dress in modest apparel? Um, and, and so forth. The, 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 the Bible says men are supposed to have short hair. And we can go on and on. But those are just, those are externals. I, I was going to say just externals. I don't want to minimize them. Uh, anything that the Bible commands us to do or not to do, yes, it's an external, but it's, it's, to, it's to demonstrate what's on the inside. Amen. What's on the inside. Uh, can, can, I, can I carry a King James Bible, wear a suit and tie, come to church three times a week and be a backslider? Yeah. Yep, the externals, the externals don't, do not make up uh, for a heart relationship with God. We hear a lot of criticism from the groups of uh, sometimes independent Baptists that call them progressives. Well, all, that, all, all the fundamentalists are, they're all about rules and, and, and not about a relationship with God. Number one, you've never heard that here, at least not in 25 years. I wasn't here before that, but you've never heard that from this pulpit in the last 25 years. It's all about a relationship with God, and this book talks about that. Jesus said, this is eternal life that they may know these, talking to his heavenly Father. It's about a relationship with God, except a man be born again. Being born is a relationship, am I correct? Uh, but relationships do have rules. I, I entered into a relationship uh, with, with Trina on the day that we got married, and I found out right away there were rules. She expected me to let her know if I was going to be late from work, and that was in the days before cell phones were invented. I was supposed to pick up a phone and call her and say, I'm going to be a half an hour late. The first time I showed up and I hadn't called, was not a very good time, right? Okay, relationships have rules, and uh, we, we need to remember that. So there's no justification for Samson whatsoever that, well, you know, he's done so much for God that God's letting some things slide. I actually heard a preacher say that about Samson, that God winked at his sin because he did so much for God. 
That's an unbiblical teaching. That's an unbiblical teaching. So we, this is where that giant question mark about Samson comes to, uh, in, in full uh, view for us. So verse one is Samson's disgraceful sin. Number two is Samson's dangerous situation. And it was told the Gazites, it was told the Gazites saying, Samson came in hither. They compassed him in, laid wait for him all night in the gate of the city and were quiet all the night saying in the morning, when it is day, we shall kill him. You understand that Samson would have been a well-known person in Philistine circles. Now I realize they didn't post it on Facebook. Hadn't been invented yet. I understand that there wasn't a printing press, so there weren't, there, there weren't wanted posters down in the post office or anything like that. But uh, his description would have been spread far and wide. It may have been. There, there were men of Gaza that were part of that army that Samson decimated when uh, they, they attacked him in Judah uh, and so forth. Um, and, and so Samson came in, um, and he... he uh, it doesn't look like he sneaked into the city in any way. They found out that he was there. They compassed him in. The cities in those days, especially places like Gaza, would have at least a fence around it, oftentimes a wall of protection around them. They'd have one or two gates uh, they would use to enter, to go in and out, to do commerce. And at night, almost universally in that day and age, the gates of a town or city were closed and they were barred uh, to protect from invaders getting in uh, to the city by, by the, in the, under the cover of darkness. So they compassed them in. The Bible says they laid wait for them all night in the gate of the city, oftentimes on each side of a gate, regardless of how wide it was. Uh, th there was like a, a security shed or something like that there. How many have ever gone someplace? I, I, I taught up at University of Hartford. I participated. I didn't teach. I participated in a, a prosthetics study there uh, about three months ago. And getting on campus at that particular place, uh, there was a little shed there, and they had the, 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 the bars down blocking traffic, and uh, there was a security guard sitting in there, and you had to come up and basically tell them who you were and where you were headed and that type of thing, and they, they let you go in. How many are familiar with that? They would have probably had that on one or both sides of a gate at night uh, just so that it was always manned. Uh, again, it's protection of the people. So they, they think they've got uh, Samson hedged in, uh, the Samson's dangerous situation. Um, turn, if you would, please, to the book of James chapter 1. James chapter 1. And look at verse 13, please. Let no man say when he is tempted... I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. God will never entice you to do wrong. Okay, that's what he's saying, because he's a good God. He would never do that to us. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Anybody here never get tempted to do wrong? It's one of those questions, if you raise your hand, and it's true, I need you to sign my Bible. The Bible says every man is tempted, and the Bible says, and is uh, when he is drawn away of his own lust. Um, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, and please don't. 
But I'm wondering if there are people in here that alcohol is a temptation for you. Maybe it was a part of your life in the past. Maybe it was something you grew up with. And now, if you, if you smell it, if you see it, there's something inside that kind of wants to go there. Um, I'm not tempted with that. Not even a little bit. Never grew up around it. It's never been a part of my life for which I thank God. Some people are, and there are others that aren't. Some are tempted by cigarettes. My, my dad, after he got saved, he struggled till the end of his life with smoking. He started smoking at age 11, and he went to heaven at age 77. He got saved in his 60s. To give you an idea how long the man smoked, and he tried several times, and uh, it, it was just one of those struggles. He never got the victory over it. By the way, that's not God's fault. God can give that victory, uh, and so forth. I'm just saying it was a struggle for him. Never was a struggle for me. Be careful because you don't struggle with something that you judge someone who is. Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust. Because truth is, they could be equally judgmental of you because of what you struggle with that they don't. It's just not, it's just not their issue. We, we're all different. The Bible says, again, we're in James 1, every man is tempted. So just mark that down. When he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. So basically what I'm saying is the devil is more than likely not going to entice me with a bottle of beer or a martini. It's not, it's not my thing. It's not my area of weakness. Hey, what's he going to tempt you with? <laughs> None of your stinking business. He's going to, I have, I, I've got my own thing and he's going to entice me with that. How many understand what James is saying? Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. You give in to that temptation. It, it, it brings forth sin. You, you commit the sin and sin when it is finished. Read the last three verses with me in verse 15. Church, ready? Bringeth forth death. Is the Bible true? Yes. So sin when it is finished, what does it bring forth? Death. What does it promise? It promises life. It promises fun. Uh, Hebrews 11 tells us that Moses uh, chose the sufferings of the people with God than the pleasures of sin for a season. Okay, let's go back to Judges chapter 16. Understanding the Bible teaching, sin when it is finished bringeth forth death. When we yield to temptation, whatever it happens to be, understand that we're setting ourselves up for disaster. We are, whether it's losing our temper, whether it's lying, whether it's booze, whether it's pornography, whatever it happens to be, we are setting ourselves up for disaster. And that's what Samson did. The fact that he was a Nazarite didn't exempt him from the wages of sin. Samson didn't get a pass. You, you understand that? He put himself in that situation. Samson's in danger. There's a bunch of people that want to kill him now. Um, let, let's say that, that uh, alcohol is my thing. That's, that's my struggle. I, I mentioned that it's not, but for sake of illustration, let's say that it is. And uh, uh, the devil tempts me, and, and I, I just imbibe uh, something like that. I see I'm at a restaurant, and I see them serving them to other people at tables. And I just give in. Oh, it's just this once, and, and I drink, and I try another one, and try another one, and then get behind the wheel of my car um, and get in an accident. 
because I'm driving under the influence. Is that God's fault? Should I be surprised? Not at all. I, I, I set myself up for that. And that's exactly what Samson has done. I want you to look at Samson's desperate struggle um, in verse number three. The Bible says, and Samson laid till midnight, uh, lay till midnight and arose at midnight. Uh, this is where he finds out what they've done to him. He knows somehow that he's in danger. Um, do you ever, you ever do something wrong and then all of a sudden it, it's time for the pigeons to come home to roost? And you realize, oh man, I shouldn't have done that. Did that ever happen to anybody? Um, it, it, it's way, we're not sure what happened. We don't know if, if the woman that he was with alerted him uh, to what was going on. Uh, we don't know if he got up and looked out of the window in the dark of night and saw these people around the gates of the city and realized, uh-oh, uh-oh, I'm, uh, I'm in trouble. I'm not just going to sneak out of here. Uh, and so we don't know if an angel woke him up or, or uh, whatever. We have no idea about that. But Samson all of a sudden realizes, I've got a problem here. Turn, if you would, to Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 19, the Bible's, let's look at verse 18. I love this verse. But the path of the just, that is a saved person living a saved life. The path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more under the perfect day. Somebody wrote the, the song, every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. Um, and that's what the, the, the teaching here is. You follow the ways of Christ. It gets brighter and better and you understand more. Verse 19, the way of the wicked is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble. Have you ever gotten up at night, going to the kitchen for a drink of water and, 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 and just failed to realize that uh, Johnny left one of his matchbox cars or the kids left a Lego, even the smallest Lego can cripple you. Have you noticed that when you step on it in the dark and all that kind of stuff and you're hopping around on one foot? Try doing that when you only have one foot. You know, uh, all that. The Bible says that's what the way of the wicked, it's like darkness. The path of just gets better and better. Your, your, your steps are guided by the light of the word of God. The wicked, they know not at what they stumble. Look at Proverbs chapter 13. Proverbs chapter 13. Samson is on a path. Look at Proverbs chapter 13. The Bible says this in verse 15. Good understanding giveth favor. Favor is another word for grace, if you will. But the way of transgressors is hard. Would Samson have been in peril if he had done right? No. Now, there, there still could have been war, but it wouldn't have been because he was being stupid and sinful. The way of transgressors is hard. One more verse, Jeremiah. How many are reading the Bible through in that schedule? How many are doing it? We're, we're in Jeremiah now. I am having more fun with that this year um, and so forth. I got a, I'm on my second journal of notes that I'm taking from it. Jeremiah chapter 2, we would have read this just a few days ago. Look, look, if you would, this is Jeremiah's sermon to the people of Judah in verse 19. 
he says, this is to God's people now, thine own wickedness shall correct thee and thy backslidings shall reprove thee. Know therefore and see that it is an evil thing and bitter that thou hast forsaken the Lord thy God and that my fear is not in thee, saith the Lord God of hosts. So, if you will, follow the progression here. We know from chapter 14, the situation in Timnath, that that was of the Lord um, to, to gain a, a, an opportunity to attack the Philistines and so forth. We don't necessarily understand all of that, but we just trust what the Bible says. But we know that the lion, and getting the honey out of it, was a violation of the Nazarite vow, correct? In human thinking, not Bible thinking, human thinking, what's worse? Honey out of a dead animal, dead animal's carcass, or immorality? Immorality, that's not God's view. Not God's view. But it's a little thing. By the way, he got away with it got away with it. The only thing that bad happened was his stupid riddle. And that wouldn't have happened if he hadn't had the stupid riddle. But again, it was looking for an opportunity against the Philistines. The next thing you know, he's in war and there's a dead, there's the carcass of a dead ass. And the Bible says he grabbed this new jawbone. It's covered with slime and who knows what else. And uh, is that right or wrong for him? It's wrong for him. And he kills 3,000 Philistines. Well, that turned out well, didn't it? You understand he hadn't gotten struck by lightning yet. Now all of a sudden, we got Samson going into a harlot, laying with her till midnight. He's gone, he's gone from honey, from an animal carcass, to immorality. Sin will take you farther than you want to go. It'll keep you longer than you want to stay, and it'll cost you far more than you want to pay. We have no idea if Samson had fooled and deceived himself into thinking, look, I know I wasn't supposed to pick up the jawbone, but God let it slide. And I still had supernatural strength from the Lord and 3,000 Philistines died. It's not that big a deal. We don't know if he reasoned like that, but beware because we often do, don't we? We often do. I, I tell parents of young children all the time, consistency in your discipline is vital because if they get away with it one time, they will try it again because I got away with it before. And if all they got this time was a scolding, and last time they got spanked, they, the, the third time comes along, well, all I got was yelled at. I, I might get spanked, but I might get yelled at. You, you've planted a pattern in their lives. There needs to be this understanding, sin is wrong whether you get caught or not. Sin is wrong whether, whether you're in trouble or not. Sin is wrong whether lightning falls or not. And Samson's in a place where he's gone away with it, it seems like, a couple of times. And now all of a sudden, he's down there in Gaza with this harlot, and he's got a big problem on his hand. Now, we need to stop there.